What's up, everybody? Let me get this at you real quick. Listen, men's diets are really falling behind. Over 70% of men don't get enough vitamin E, and up to 97% of men don't get enough vitamin D from their diet. I actually went to see my doctor about a year ago, and I did not get enough vitamin D, despite the fact that I live at the beach and work in the desert 90% of the time. Vitamin D is something you need and most humans just don't get. But really, most men overvalue exercise and undervalue nutrition and think if I look healthy, then I am healthy. But there's more to health than meets the eye, folks. Ritual is introducing Essential for Men, the obsessively researched multivitamin that's formulated to help fill nutritional gaps in men's diets. Listen, I ate vegetables, I exercised, and yet I was still deficient in the vitamins. Multivitamins really got that going. And now my most recent doctor checkup, I am good to go. And there is no better time to get your vitamins in line than right now. You know why, people. Ritual is your new type of two-a-day. From helping support heart health, normal muscle function, and normal immune function, this tiny step can have a big impact. These vegan-friendly, non-GMO, sugar-free, gluten-free, and allergen-free multivitamins are traceable because where it's from is just as important as what it's for. This subscription-based supplement, it's easy to start, it's easy to snooze. Only about a dollar a day to have essential nutrients delivered to your door. Step up your nutrient game with Essential for Men. Get 10% off your first three months when you visit ritual.com slash TST and start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash TST. Also, we're brought to you by autotempest.com. Autotempest has been with us for a really long time, and now they are finally going huge into the paint with a new show hosted by me, Rob Ferretti, and Amelia Hartford, and featuring Tanner Faust as our tame racing driver, and the show is called Sorted. It's coming soon to YouTube. We're filming the uh, the first episode uh, this next week, actually, at Palm Beach International Raceway in Florida, and then the California West Coast Regional after that. We are looking for the best, most sorted, home-built tuner car in America. And you can check that out at Sorted or Not. Dot com. In the meantime, if you're looking to build a project car, Auto Tempest is the place to start. Why? It searches the whole internet for that car, right? Cars.com, Cars Direct, Cars Soup, eBay Motors, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you name it, Autotempest.com covers it. So we really thank them for sponsoring our new show, Sorted, which you can learn about at sortedornot.com. And then you can get your own project car at autotempest.com. All right, on this episode of the podcast, uh, we got Batim Barisha, the owner of BBI Autosport, our old pal. He's in the studio, and he is back from uh, competing in Pikes Peak. He's talking about what makes this race so unique and challenging, what it's like to build a competitive Pikes Peak car, and what it's really like to show up uh, having never driven or even tested a car and expect it to be competitive uh, right away. Very interesting show. Batim Barisha, the owner of BBI Autosport on the Smoke and Tire podcast. I think GM is stepping in pretty heavily because they have $2 billion into that company as well. Yeah. So, huh. Hi, Tim. Hi, Matt. Welcome. How are you? Welcome to the new studio. Yeah, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, it's nice. It's very nice. 
But thanks for the Pikes Peak swag. Yeah, absolutely. Looks good on you. I yeah, hope thanks. it looks that good on you. Oh, me. it's going to look way better on you. I <laughs> you know why? Because I need the black to really sh- to shrink it. You're you know looking pretty I mean? trim. We're working on it. Yeah. I lost se- 16 pounds in the right. last year. Very good. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, Guy Fieri, when I was at his house, told me that, dude, you're really good at your job. We got to get you a better fitting helmet. It pinches your cheeks in. <laughs> and I really liked my helmet. It was brand new. Homer Simpson is mm-hmm. painted on the helmet. I was like, fuck. Yeah. But it's get, supposed to better your get cheeks, skinny. though. So that, no, no, it really is. Like, yeah, you know, like, even if someone's like, real thin, if they have it yeah, on. Yeah, my like, helmet looks like this all yeah, the time, too. Yeah, you know? yeah he so. was thinking about TV. Yeah. A TV helmet shouldn't pinch your yeah, cheeks. <laughs> TV helmet's like, oh, helmet, it's like basically a football helmet. A helmet that's designed to save your life should probably pinch your cheeks, yeah. but not a TV helmet. No, no, no. That's not doing a right. fucking thing. <laughs> TV helmet's designed to go, hey, is that Homer Simpson's head on there? <laughs> Welcome. Hi. Hi. How did you spend a whole month in Colorado? You know what I, uh, I did. It was back and forth, but pretty much from uh, the fourth all the way till the the second or third of September. I don't know why I think about. I forget this every year that people who are involved in Pikes Peak racing spend the entire fucking month, dude, in Colorado. It's brutal. Uh, It's amazing. It's awesome. It's an experience that you know, but it's it goes by quick and. You know, it's 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 intense. What are the in between days like? I mean, if you're flying back and forth, the in between days are flying and working at the shop. That's it. Yeah. What, what is the car just parked somewhere yep. and everyone goes home and then they come back again? Typically, or I mean, if you're sorting cars out, you you'll stay a week. You'll work on it. You'll go testing. You know. So we I was flying back and forth, um, but <clears> then so we we did that for the, the first test. We were there for uh, there was a. Uh, a Friday and a Saturday, or Friday and a Sunday test. Mm-hmm. So then we took the car out uh, that Thursday before that to shake it down, get the, get David Donahue comfortable in it, and we've never even seen the car. It's never turned a lap. So came in, they did that. I was actually in. Where do you go? You rent a track? Uh, yeah. So they were at High Plains oh, outside yeah. of Denver, and then um, that was Thursday. Then Friday they were up on the mountain. I wasn't there, but Jeremy from the shop was there, and then I flew in Saturday morning. We tore the car apart, spent 18 hours on the thing, and then got it ready for uh, Sunday practice. What needed doing for 18 hours? Suspension. Oh. Yeah. We, we really, that's what we primarily focused on on that car is getting the driver comfortable on the bumps. Mm-hmm. So. Cause you, just because the road was bumpier than expected? Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, the frost heaves kind of, they, as, as we we're later in the year. You get uh, yeah, because usually it's what a- April, late right? June, late June. Okay, yeah. and now we're it was late, late August. August. Okay, yeah. so the temperature swings, you know, were were greater, so a lot more heat. Mm. They were melting out in certain areas and then creating a lot more uh, a lot more bumps. And um, so we were just chasing that. We knew what we had to do. It's just we didn't have much time with the car. Never really seen it before, and so then we we just got after it. What? Do you do? I mean, what do you, what do you do if you now okay you now you've seen your race track and you go okay I need this road is or this road this track whatever way bumpier than I expected. Uh, so this what is, can we do? So this is how it happened. Uh, Friday, uh, they went up to the mountain. The car was basically stock. Uh, he came back shaking like he's like I can't drive this fucking thing. I'm and he was he was truly like discouraged. Uh, we're looking at the car and is what is the car? Uh, the car is a. Porsche. It's a 2020 GT2 RS Club Sport. Okay, so stock meaning Club Sport stock from from delivered from Porsche. Yeah, untouched turnkey. It's a weapon out of the box. Okay, you know she's a little heavy, a little stiff, just not really built for the mountain. Um, but a great platform to start with. So it made our job easy. Okay, 
Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, we just got, went after the suspension. And so that was that Friday, came back white-knuckling. Sunday he came back. As he came back down off his first run, you can literally, you're talking about your cheeks, you could see him just smiling. He just got out of the car and looked at it. He goes, what did you guys do to this thing? He goes, I could put it anywhere I want now. And I was like, good, now we got a good starting point. you know. And he was like, I think we're all going to make a good team. Because yeah. I've never worked with David Donahue before. Uh, we competed against him last year. And uh, so it was pretty cool to, you know, navigate this with him and with Jeremy doing the engineering and um, so it was, we ran the team pretty tight what I mean you're talking about like a $500,000 plus factory Porsche track car like why is it so bad out of the box at this task and what like not I mean obviously you know are you putting on your your parts or are you going are you are we are we adjusting things or are we changing out entire systems we're changing out Shocks, springs. Uh -huh. um, we learned a lot last year with with how soft you need to set these cars up. It's still maintaining platform, and you want a really compliant chassis, but you don't want this thing rolling over on you. You know, uh -huh. you want so you so you need to you need to keep what they call maintain platform, and then have a compliant damper setup. So, um, a rally team out of France did our shocks last year, yeah. And so we learned from PKM. We learned a lot from those guys, and so we just kind of applied it to this, uh -huh. and then. When the car came back to BBI, we ended up um, then taking the old brakes off, putting the PFCs on, which were four pounds a corner lighter, just chasing little things like that. And So that car doesn't come with the lightest brakes the Porsche makes? It came, that, that car comes with a Brembo brake, which is actually really, really rad. It's just, um, we found with PFCs, we can run a lighter rotor uh, caliper combo and still get the brake torque that we need hmm. because it's not an endurance car. So, like well, I said, right, because it doesn't actually have to last right, all that long. Right, yeah. and, and like I said, it's a <clears throat> half million dollar car that's a great canvas, but you know, you gotta you gotta tailor the suit for the project, you know. So yeah. we just had to tweak it a little bit to make it really. Yeah, but I wouldn't think like you 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 said that David Donahue called it undrivable. That's I mean, at, that's, at, at the speed that he wanted to go. A, I guess. Yeah. Well, the road was really bumpy. I mean, that car. Most people that buy that car are probably taking it to a normal track day. You know, nice track and day, track, smooth yeah. stuff. And you know, I hadn't been on Pikes Peak. I think we. I think we went up it. You know, six years ago when we were on Rally yeah, North America. Yeah, fifteen maybe. You know, I drove yeah. it in a minivan on this trip, and I was like, these bumps are significant in that they are very short but quite tall. You know, it, uh, it's that like uh, it's yeah, not like a long yeah. roller. So if you're coming in at hundred plus or a little bit less like yeah, it's going to cause some significant lift yeah no it did it did so we did everything we could to keep the car planted and just keep the tire on the ground and really like i our job was to make the driver comfortable and let him throw this thing around and have fun in it and he he did he, if you then took this car to a smooth track would it be a sloppy mess or would it be yeah it would yeah you would have to go back not go all the way back but uh -huh. we we'd we'd go back to a, a, a smoother track setup yeah would your track setup for this car be softer though than the factory one? Yeah, significantly. Wow. Yeah. Why do you think they do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you think it's for the <laughs> same reason that companies make sports cars too stiff? It's just because people who don't know any better equate stiff with high performance. Yeah, I wonder about that. You know, when we when we do even if we take our street cars uh, take a GT3 RS, for example, and we do different dampers and springs and all. People end up saying, like, ah, the car just feels softer. I'm like, it is. 
it's it's more compliant. But I mean, the best tuner cars I've driven are usually softer than the stock cars. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's because you need a compliant yeah. compliant setup that that keeps that tire planted, and then you start tweaking the dampers and yeah. you know. So it's um. I've got that. You see that little GTI outside. Yeah. So I've got a, a GTI press car, right? It's like the end of the Mark Seven, and it's got adaptive shocks. It's the Autobahn uh, spec, right? So right. it's got all the shit. It's like thirty-seven grand. Um, and if you, I drove it on a bumpy canyon road this morning. If you put it in sport, it gets like bouncy and it starts hopping. Mm-hmm. It can't maintain a contact patch right. over like a negative G. And then you put it in comfort. You can go exactly the same speed. There's no change in pace, except it's way more civil doing it because the suspension is allowed to move. Right. It's so dumb. It, yeah. And that's. I'm almost wondering, is every track in Europe like as smooth as a table? Because that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're better than ours. Yeah. Certainly better than the tracks in Southern California. Yeah, so we have a GT2 RS at the shop that we call it our VMAX card where we do top speed stuff. And we bought a set of those Manti dampers from uh-huh. their 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 um, their car that was like a 640 at Nürburgring. Yeah. Uh, put it on the car, and I was like, this is undrivable. I mean, and anything. Because it's so stiff? Yeah, I could not believe. So we looked at the spring rates. We're like, oh, man. Chris from KW came by. I was just asking him, like, what do you think is happening here? He goes, oh, I just got to tweak the dampers a little bit. But still, it, we, we I just got to pull the spring out of the thing and r- maybe revalve them. You know, it's, it's just, just too stiff. It's too stiff. I guess for for Nürburgring, they crank some downforce in that car and they, they're hauling ass. So you need yeah. that thing to be able to support itself. You know, maybe with, that's how with car, of, all the cars got too stiff. It's like the nerve, the, it's a, it's in conjunction t- with Nurburgring times, chasing those times, you know, with the, especially there's a lot of Z axis ups and down, you know yeah. what I mean? And that you but need like, to, where else in the world do you need to do like an S curve at like 170? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like anywhere else in the world, if you're going deep into the triple digits, it's straight as fuck. You're yeah. not bending it at that speed. No, no. And it's if, like spa and Nurburgring. That's right, it. Right. But if they develop, it, you know, at the Nurburgring, and they just go, okay, what are the settings, guys? And then every car, they just tweak it to that number. You know, yeah. they, they don't ask the customer, like, that whole, if it what works here, it? it works everywhere. That might be true for durability, but not for, like, shock tuning. But, but yeah, exactly. How many people do you know that get in their car, and it's stiff as shit, and they're mm-hmm. like, see how good this thing handles, and they kind of whip the wheel around a little bit, and you're just like, hold on, man, relax. I used the worst example of that one. <clears throat> I used to have a friend back in the day who <laughs> was a, a civic guy, a yeah. sweet guy. He meant well. Of course. He didn't know any better. Right. <laughs> he had a, a naturally aspirated, you know, 1.6 Civic hatch, whatever, mm-hmm. little engine, 100 horsepower. Right. And when he would drive it really aggressively, he would jerk the wheel back and forth as if to mimic torque steer, but he was doing it. And I don't think he, I think he saw it in a movie yeah. somewhere and thought that that was what you were supposed to do. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the car Between gears. The car didn't do that. Yeah. Like you could drive it with your knee. That was really bad. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm sure we've all been said, oh, you know, they, they meant well. You know, like, yeah. Growing well, you up. got a friend who turns off traction control every time they get in the car, oh, even yeah. if they're going to, like, lunch. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, well this, fabri- <laughs> this fabricator I know, um, it, he was he crashed his motorcycle and screwed his ankle up, and he was in race mode with no TC, no ABS, and got into it. I was like, wait, ra- race. Race mode. You're commuting. <laughs> On his bike. You're yeah. fucking commuting. So I mean, sometimes you can't help yourself because there's certain companies that where their powertrain tuning is like terrible unless you put it in the race mode. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, DSC it, it deactivates on it. But like, I have friends, and I won't name names, but you know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. 
who just who ha, who go through at the button presses and turn off try to oh it gets in the way of what <laughs> <laughs> when what traction do you plan on breaking between here and dinner right because I need to know when to get the fuck out of this yeah, car because now I'm scared <laughs> I got my nice shirt on right. yeah, just, <laughs> like, what, what are you yeah. doing it's like Jack Ruth his article if if you're having seeing the TCS light on uh, come on in the canyons you're just going too fast or doing it wrong yeah yeah I mean I make all these videos who said and, that. Jack Bruce. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, if you're getting into ABS or traction control in the canyons, you're probably not driving well. Yeah. I, the, the, you're probably the, too close to the limits. The, yeah, right, and that's what not what the canyons are for. Yeah. Everybody says the canyons are supposed to be like this relaxing, we're going to go, we're going to push the car a little bit, a little spirited drive, have some fun. I go to on these canyon drives sometimes with people, I'm like, I'm out. Can't go that's, why, that's we, why I drive by myself. We're going ten tenths right here. Yeah, I'm done. That's why you I know? drive by myself early, yeah. early. I was up there on the mountain in the dark this morning. Yeah. I watched the sunrise. It was actually kind of lovely. Nice. It smelled like a barbecue. Nice. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first day back in the forest since since the fires. Right. So you could actually kind of see a little bit. It was, it, but it smelled well, like a cool, barbecue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, the, the group drives. Mm-mm. No, because every time I'm on one, somebody's got something to prove, whether they're in front of me or if I'm cruising, I'm going to mm. suck them in. You know, like I just, I'm, I'm, I don't do it. That's why, yeah. I, that's why I don't do it either. I'm like, you have nothing to prove to me. Just chill, chill. I just want to yeah. cruise. You know? But if you but. see my videos, just, you will not see here traction control. You will not, you don't, you don't even see me turning off. I never turn off traction control or anything. I don't have to. Yeah. You don't hear ABS coming on. Like, just get the fuck, nah. Not I mean, yeah, I'll honestly, you know, I used, I'm, Full disclosure, I used to be the, the button presser. Like, and if you ask me, where, where are you going to need to not have TC on? I'm like, just watch. <laughs> I was younger, though. That, you know. I mean, look, yeah, youth, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I get youth. I do. Yeah. I was, I, but but also, look, when I was younger, that's 10, 15 years ago. You can't do that in these cars anymore. These cars are yeah, the so car had half fucking the power. fast. Yeah. yeah, they're so fast now. It's like, yeah. What yeah. are your customers uh, asking for? Is everyone one 800 horsepower now? Is that, is now, it that easy? You know what? Um, I, we've been doing a lot of track day prep. Mm-hmm. You know, weekend warrior, get cars ready for the track. Just and sending out a lot of safety packages. You know, the harness bars, harnesses, sub belt mounts, fire. You know, stuff like that. It's it's funny. Our our business has evolved from. I mean, we still do the nutty builds. That's that's the that's my little mental side of things. Yeah. You know, but the business and what people want. We've gotten a lot more into air-cooled cars, doing more, I want to say restorations, because that's not what we do, more um, resto-modding, you know, and just building them up, you know, and then we got a lot of, uh, but like I said, we're selling a lot of exhaust systems, a lot of suspension packages, so. Nice. Yeah, which... It always seemed like your customers would bring in a GT3 and want to turn it into a turbo or bring in a turbo and want to turn it into a GT3. They'd always want to cross still, over to the other there's side. Still that, there's still that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I kind of like it better over there. No, you know, yeah. like, well. Yeah. Whatever they have, can you make it more like the other one? Right, right. <laughs> so I, yeah. like, I want my turbo to sound like more like a GT3. I want my GT3 to be faster than my buddy's turbo. Yeah. Damn. Like, you guys really should have bought uh, these other cars. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're making it hard for yourself. Right, right. Um, I mean, are, are, I guess uh, people are going to track days, right? Track days are happening? Yeah, or you know what? Probably gearing up for it. There, there are track There's days track happening. There's track days happening, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, there are track days happening. Um, it's already a fairly, you know, you're in your own, you're in your own car. Yeah, and there's what not what a lot of people that? around. Is that us? Did you hear that? Do you have a doorbell? Is that your phone? I don't think oh, so. that might be our doorbell. 
I've never heard that. Yeah, well, it's new. We got a doorbell. I'll I guess it's are. not. I'm sorry. I hope I'll it's not you know on the you show. made it. You got a doorbell in here. We needed it because we keep the door locked here. It's right. A, you know, we can't just have people wandering in. And so, but if you're in the the warehouse, uh, like if you're detailing a car, right? Yeah. The, there isn't a window to the driveway with the with the uh, bay doors sense, right. closed, right? Yeah. So we needed a way to. So yeah, doorbell. So yeah. there's a <clears throat> there's a doorbell chime behind the um, the TV. Out there, where the video games is, and there's another one. Yeah, who cares a shit? But yeah. we have a doorbell. Nice, and it went ding dong. That's that's exactly what fucking doorbells do. Well, I'm glad that I got to hear it. <laughs> Thanks for running me through that one. I really, really appreciate that. <laughs> so anyway, can we go back to Pike's Peak for yeah. a minute? Yeah, we'll go back. So you set up the suspension, right? You make it nicey nice. Yeah, Donahue's happy. Donahue's happy. Yeah, we bring then after that was after the first practice. Bring the car back. Uh, to California in between. So we shipped it back. It landed on a Monday and we had to be back in Colorado on Thursday. So we had three days to work on the car. And then we did some aero work with uh, Gunther Works. They, uh, oh. So I, I brought him a bunch of parts. I said, hey, I need these bigger. So we need, because the air is thin, so you need... You need to. I brought a bunch of parts and said I need these bigger. Like what wings? Uh, front canards, the dive uh-huh. planes. They made us a huge front splitter that goes all the way under the front of the car, um, which worked out really well. And then um, we we actually. How had, interesting to see a Gunther Works sticker on a water cooled car, right? I know that's a little interesting. Yeah, so, good dichotomy there. Yeah, we you know I just I called well, Peter up. Yeah, and Peter's the guy for the carbon. If yeah. you need the carbon on the fly. Yeah, that's what you got. No, and it came through quickly. I mean, real quickly. And then, um, did he trade you for that sticker? He goes, "I'll do it, but I want a sticker was, on the nose." There was still some business to be had there. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was a good partnership. They they answered quickly. Um, they were good. We we did a little bit of a rear flick. I don't know if you could see in one of the back pictures that sits on top of the deck lid, like just accentuates the ducktail. Um, did a computer tell you that you needed that? Yeah, or it a, did. A computer told us that we needed, you know, and what really told us was was David. Um, when we did some arrow work to the car, so we we mixed the stuff called Flowviz, so you can actually. We didn't have enough time to really, really validate everything, mm-hmm. so it was just like, what do you, make the arrow more, you know? So, <laughs> so we so then we. I mean, it sounds dumb, but we no uh, no. But if the air is half half is thin, right? You got to make your you got to make it work better. You got to make more wing surface, right? Yeah. that that makes basic sense. Yes. I think so. The dive planes we we had them actually uh, blocked off in the front, walled off, and uh, one of my buddies from Tesla called me and he said, "What are you guys doing up there?" And I said, "Well, you know," he goes, "What well, I mean, like, why do you have that blocked off?" I said, "Well." I don't know if we were going to have front arrow, balance, rear. I just needed some extra if I had to open things up or what, what we can do. So we, we put Flovis all over the car, which is a dye in, you know, like mineral oil. There's like six things you can get from Amazon. You mix it up real quick and you just drop it all over the car. If you look at some like Formula One testing, half of the car looks like a like a glow stick. Like you exp- drove through a paint splatter? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we were starting to so watch. So it's the same as like the string technique from back in the day, but it just stays. Yeah. Except oh. it stays. Yeah. And so. Flo- that, how do you spell Flovis? I want to uh, see what that looks like on a car. That's yeah. fucking genius. Well, it wasn't my idea, but yeah, I used it. Uh, so that diffuser, right? <laughs> that diffuser you see there. Um, yeah, we actually had to kind of lower it a little bit more, but the air was staying laminar to it. It was what you're looking for. You you wanted to see everything move in the right direction. Uh-huh. Um, so it was pretty cool to mess with that. You know, it was a very low tech way to do it. And what we did is, so when we had the dive planes up front blocked off the canards, um, we did. We were up at the top of the mountain, and so we had two runs with them open and two runs with them closed 
and he could. Um, this might seem like a dumb question. How do you block them off? Oh, you block off. You see the side support. Yeah, you you just literally you block off. off the, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we we did a back to back with with it set up that way. And, and it, what is the side support actually doing there? Well, I've never seen that connecting multiple canards like that. Yeah, the the factory bumper is plastic and it's thin, and when when it uh, the OEM canards looked like they were trying to pull through <laughs> and so we just wanted to support the outside and then we backed them up on the the inside that of the makes wall. sense and yeah. typically a canard isn't meant to add downforce it's meant to uh, create a, more turbulence on the side of the car to help evacuate the air from the wheel well oh really and that's the idea there so oh so is it more like uh to create so, negative pressure in the wheel well or to, to cool brakes no well uh, all or of both. it. All of it. Yeah. So it creates negative pressure by creating uh, vortices uh-huh. down the side of the car, and what that ends up doing is uh, is help it evacuate the wheel well because you don't want high pressure in there. So yeah. you get you get brake cooling and you get uh, a lower lower pressure in your uh, oh, under the front may, of the yeah, car. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And no bullshit. When we taped them back on, he, he's like, I picked up a push after third gear on a couple of the right handers, and he goes, I had to wait to go to throttle all the way, and we took the pit tape because we we windowed them out and mm-hmm. then taped it closed. And when we open them back up, he's like, oh. I, I, oh so, it, so it is doing something. Something, uh, yeah. Oh, there's the flow viz. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. So it looks like you're doing CFD, but on an actual car. Yeah, and that shit is hard to clean off. It looks like someone, <laughs> yeah. it looks yes. like someone threw a paint can at a Red Bull yeah. F1 car. Yeah, but right. yeah, I, it, it doesn't gum up. I mean, on that, like, isn't it going into the intakes or anything? No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's not thick. It's a pretty thin, okay. vi- uh, very low viscous kind of fluid that yeah. you mix up with linseed oil. If it's too thick, you know, you do some tests with the droplet, you know, and cool. it's su- super basic, but yeah, no, but, that's it, but, awesome. but they validate, they validate on track because a wind tunnel doesn't give you real true dynamic testing, you know, but you know, it's just, so it's pretty neat. That's very cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. That's awesome. No, I love, I love messing with little things like that. And, you know, I was just yeah. geeking do you, did out. Did you ever do the strings also? Oh yeah, I did the strings. Yeah. yeah. But in all honesty, we, um, I wanted to do the strings on the car, but then I'd have to have so many cameras on it to watch what the mm-hmm. strings are actually doing. Right, and it's probably right. screwing up what I'm after. No, so, the fact that the flow is like stays. Yep. That's the whole the right. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, you need a tracking car or like mad telephoto lenses right. or something. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's it's pretty. I'd like to do the string on a car though one day. I think that'd be fun. And just you but, know what? It's crazy. You do that. You track it and you take a picture like this, and then you can do a comparator, mm-hmm. and then you do something else to the car, and you watch all the other strings like. It's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Well, I use, you know, I'm a sailor. Yeah. And so if you're a sailor, you use these things called telltales, which is a piece of yarn just like that. And they're on opposite sides of the sail. And so depending on whether the the, the telltale yarn is either just sagging like limp mm-hmm. or whether it's, it's kind of erect right. uh, going straight back or whether it's flapping wildly you that tells you what to do with the sails for optimum aerodynamics so give me an example if it's flapping wildly so you've got them on the inside of the sail right. and the outside of the yeah. sail so if they're on the inside if the ones on the outside of the sail are straight out uh-huh. and the ones on the inside of the sail are flapping mm-hmm. you want to trim your sail in if you trim your sail in they should bo- to the certain to the exact right degree right they should both be inside and outside should all be facing straight out got it and if if the outside one then starts flapping now you can let the sail out a bit that's cool and if they go limp your sail is just let out way too far and you need to start trimming 
it's just like way off. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. See, that's, I mean, yeah. same exact principle, right? It's totally it's, it's just same w- exact watching thing. what the air is doing yeah. and how the, you know, the whatever it's a fender or the air fl- or the sail itself is affecting the passing, yeah. how the air passes. When you want it to flow evenly around yeah. both sides of it. It's very cool stuff. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I like yeah. that. So, <laughs> I, so how, when you, uh, when you're just like, okay, now these uh, these canards, yep. now they need to be downforce and not just uh, just turbulence creators. So how do you know where to add rigidity? Well, it's just, like I said, it's uh, a, it was a little backyard. Oh, okay, you know, we're yeah. just like, you know, throw the wall on the side of it and, you know, box it in. And then when we... When we opened them up, we we just scribed the inside line of the the you know the the canard because the mm-hmm. canard isn't a wing. A wing needs a cord, right? It needs it needs two different profiles on the top and the bottom. A uh, canard's more like a spoiler. Yeah, and it's designed to take the air up and spill over the edge of it, and that's the natural mm. roll of the air will create a vortice on the side of the. Is that card. the difference uh. between a wing and a spoiler? Yeah. Spoils a spoiler spoils, right. whereas a wing f- as a as a flow. Yeah, anything with a distinct. Almost anything could be a spoiler, right? That's when you see sticking like, your hand out of the car could be a spoiler, right? Or you see like NASCAR, they always called the the rear deck spoilers, mm-hmm. and then then when they went to the wing, where it's actually a profiled cord, then you see that it's called a wing because it has an arrow effect of uh, low pressure and high pressure separation, and you know. So I've never actually considered those wow, the yeah, terms really either. being different. Have you? No, whenever I see a canard, I just think it. Assume it works the same way. Mm-hmm. It yeah, just they, jams the front end down and causes more downforce. No, yeah, you, it you, looks like it would do that. Yeah, right. and that's <clears throat> some. That's what it looks like. But that's why a lot of times you can take a car and go 170 with a canard on the side of it that's just double sided taped on, <laughs> because its job isn't to like. Yeah, its job is the as the air starts to yeah, roll yeah, up, yeah. it just spills off the edge of it. <clears throat> remember the <clears throat> excuse me. Remember the 2000 Mustang Cobra R. Oh yeah, with the enormous air dam on the front of yeah. it. Me and Rob Ferretti from Super Speeders did the Bull Run Rally in one of them, mm-hmm. and we went cross country. So we're in like the middle of Texas somewhere, right. and this thing went three hundred and fucking eighty five horsepower. Yes. Oh, yeah, so we fucking we open start opening up right <clears throat> when you got over like one oh five, the front end would just vibrate like crazy <laughs> because. We thought we we were like, oh, is a, is a wheel out of balance? Like, what the hell's going on? Is the drive shaft like? Do we what's yeah. what is it? You bring it back down, and it was like almost like an on-off switch. It's mm-hmm. exact, it was an exact speed where it happened. Eventually, another car was kind of tracking next to us, and was like looking over, like, <laughs> well, it turns out that giant front air dam had zero structural support behind it, and just and so we took this thing off and like threw it away, and the car looked like a V6 because it had that shitty bumper on it, but it was totally fine and stable at speed. So as it turns out, anyone who's actually got one of these things. And drives it at, at, at all has to buy these like stanchions. Just like to pin the thing back into the car. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> it's totally unsuitable Fuck, for you... high speed driving out of the box. I love it's it. Very dumb. Man, I used to love that car. Yeah, right. Yo, but I I drove drove this one a lot. Mm-hmm. What a fucking disappointing. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a car that is just all kinds of oh, disappointing. Man. That that That's one. Every do bit it. of it. Yeah. Yeah, a car that vibrates and you go over 105 but has no air conditioning. Yeah. Especially when it's, it's whole, all its marketing was like, this is the race car. This yeah. is the race no track AC, Mustang. Yeah. yeah, AC delete, front fascia delete. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm 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 back. I'm going back to the '93 Cobra R. If yeah. we're talking about Cobra Rs, oh, I yeah. think that's the that's probably the one to have. That's the goods. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Oh, so that's a really nice like ribbon drawing. Pretty much looks like I drew that. Pull that up to the. uh, It's uh, it's competing in um, gymnastics floor routine. (laughs) It's got we've got the canard for this uh, skyline. Like I don't know if that's a Group C car or whatever the fuck it is. uh, JG. TC car. Yeah. Right? It looks cool looking awesome. front end on the R34, it, it, it though. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's showing the air making little curly cues mm-hmm. after traveling. <laughs> that's a good That's a good visual, though. It well, does, there you I go. Guess. Canards work on whimsy. That's what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, speaking of aero, um, I was talking with Spike and Zuckerman, and they were looking at these prototype shots of what looks like the next GT3 or RS with a top mount wing. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, it looks just like our, our Pike <clears throat> Speed car from last year. Is you think that's something the factory will go with on a production they, car? They're good. Uh, unless Seems they're, awful excessive. It is. Uh, I, it's. Is it? I mean, we were just talking about the Senna. Did not that thing look excessive? It's like a one point eight million dollars. I understand, but I think if with efficiency and the with, Senna has see through fucking doors. <laughs> <laughs> the excessive yeah. has gone out the window. Right, right. But I'm I'm thinking <clears throat> they're looking for efficiency. And downforce with low drag, you know, for the street car. If they're gonna continue to make it better and better and better, instead yeah. of you know, they're gonna have to they're they're gonna have to look everywhere. You know, the it's it's what no, are the real benefits of a top mount wing? Uh, so the the most of the work of a wing is done on the bottom of oh, it. So okay. you want to keep that air as clear, clean as possible. So having like metal mounts with bolts through yeah, them you and just, uprights is probably not the idea. It just dirties up the air too much there, and it makes that portion of the wing inefficient. Mm-hmm. And so the the top mount, the principle behind it is is to keep the bottom of the wing clean. And the craziest one I ever saw was the the mount came from behind, and and, and grabbed <laughs> the wing like this, yeah. and that was who horrible. Was, who was on that? I I don't I don't know. But then I'm like, I'm just trying to picture it. In my well, head, started, it looks terrible, horrible, <laughs> horrible. But then I was thinking, I was like, well, you got a wing, almost looks like the front wing of a of a F1 car just yeah. sitting you know there's nothing obstructing it so yeah I was like maybe they're That's on like, something like remember like the wings oh yeah the the the, the, the giant high front wing I yeah. mean those were that's just crazy like Christian Rado had that on yeah. his uh, the Scion yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay so but but you've still got stanchions that do disturb or are you just able to do more with the post now that it's not actually attached to the the wing itself? Right. Yeah. So you, it gets rid of the hardware. Those stanchions, uh, I mean, typically they they go through the air pretty cleanly. You know, and if you look at that that picture of that nine nine two GT three RS, yeah, it looks pretty trimmed out. Like ours on last year's Pikes Peak car, we actually. You know, be- uh, bull nose the nose of it, and then you? bevel the back, like you know. So we you made like a, like a little knife blade. Yeah, it was a knife blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were... If you, if someone crashed and had to like survive in the woods, they would like remove. Yeah, that you can to, go like, carve. Chop. You can like go whittle yourself. <laughs> yeah. You go murder a coyote. Yeah, with murder that a coyote thing. and whittle yourself a log cabin with it. So, yeah. Yeah. If the if the old supports go through the wing pre- or the air pretty well, is also is it was the big problem that because they were always like a lattice structure, the interface. So if, right. So if they had just made those solid, no, would that have been as effective? No, it's not so much the lattice structure, but it is the um it is the 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 way it mates to the wing. You know, Got it. that interface. Literally there. the bracket. Yeah, the bracket with the hardware and you know it just it becomes so every little piece counts, right? It's I, racing. I guess that's where yeah. we're going with it, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the it, chip, it's, the, it's very true. I mean, if you do <laughs> I just, a lot of little shit, yeah, it turns out to be a big result. Oh, yeah. Everywhere, yeah. So. I just like, you know, it's let's talk about practicality here for a minute. How many times do you think that wing is used for downforce versus how many times is it used for breakfast? Breakfast. I think it's six to one breakfast to downforce. I'm with you. I'm with you. And yeah. so I lament 
the loss of any wing that can no longer be used efficiently for breakfast. We've just deemed it useless. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I think I'd rather have a sports car that had just, like, a, a table. Like right. <laughs> like, it folds out of the hatch. Yeah, like, yeah. what if there was, like, a, someone should make an attachment. Like, is there one of those terrible catalogs for Porsches like there is for Corvettes? No, like, is there a one. Mid-America Corvette catalog uh, for Porsche? Where it's we called triple like, zero. Yeah, where we can... <laughs> We could get the um, we can get the uh, the chrome taillight bezels, yes. the, yes. the 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 shade on the rear window. Oh my god, that'd yeah. be amazing! Some huge, new body kits, yeah, huge the chrome taillights around. That would be yeah. a really fun Photoshop project if someone parodied the car, the Corvette catalog put, with with Porsche. You know, stuff. We have, we'd have to chrome so the wheels funny. out and put big fender flares on it, but with the stock wheels in there. Yeah, I like it. Dude, if someone made one of those that was really convincing, I'd love to have like a po- a full-size poster of one of the pages. I bet it would be hysterical. I'm thinking that. <laughs> this is good. Really, I think really you're onto something. Get a Mid-America Corvette catalog yeah. and apply those design principles to 911s well, and, I, and Ferraris. <laughs> I like how like, the, the, I saw, um, what did I see? The reverse light billet slash license plate frame. Oh, yeah. That, like held the exhaust up or something. It was it's too- all one yeah, unit. Yeah. Like it goes like around the exhaust pipes and then like up. It looks like a chastity belt. But yeah, he, <laughs> the guy's probably like, honey, look at this. They've, they've nailed it. Some people have no idea what we're talking about. When you buy a Corvette, somehow you're entered into this database for life yeah. where you receive this catalog of some of the things that they sell are practical, like battery tenders and stuff like that. But then just a host Here of we the go. tackiest garbage. <laughs> there's the license plate the frame. The brake duct solid. screen. <laughs> there's the stainless yes. steel lettering. Uh, there's redundant badging. You can get all kinds of redundant badging. I really suggest you buy a Corvette and then get an extra badge for the fender that shows your displacement. Right. You need the that. stock displacement. Yeah. 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 Get an LS3 badge for mm-hmm. that Corvette. I really recommend that. And a V8 badge. <laughs> oh, there's the rear bumper uh, rear the rear bumper screens with the little piece that goes in between yep. the exhaust. Oh, it's also terrible. Oh yeah, so, the weird exhaust joiner. The exhaust yeah. joiner is so strange. <laughs> Why didn't it's I like think braces. of that for the 911s? Oh, dude, it, someone needs to parody it, the print catalog, though. Leather. The, oh, my mirrors. God. Speed lingerie mirror covers. Yo, look at those leather S&M covers for the mirror. What? Leather Can mirror you imagine? Cover? I'm so happy we're doing this right now. Can you imagine spending 200 fucking dollars on that and thinking that what you got was a quality product at a quality price? Yeah. That. Yikes. That's awesome. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> Maybe that's for water skiing. It's like a, it's like a water ski. It's like what you cover your skis with or something. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. That's, yeah. It's like if you think your Corvette is a boat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you need a bimini cover to go with it. Dude, really terrible. Speed lingerie. Get that. I'd love to see that person's business plan. Imagine the speed lingerie fucking guy on Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. You know, Mr. Come, Wonderful would tear that guy a new just, asshole. He'd go, you don't have a business. You have a hobby, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a we get it. You're into leather. Yeah. Oh, man. The So you, okay, back to Pike's Peak. You actually are just flying there and back every single weekend? Yeah. And that's more efficient than just staying out there? I ju- because, you know, I got the family at home. I got, a, I got work. You know, it, it just there was... It's just a lot to be able to stay out there. Like, I can't even really take a vacation without having panic attacks of not being here, which is ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it's it's it, w- it actually made more sense. It was like a two-and-a-half-hour flight, you know, just 
even, like Sunday after practice, I'd leave and go. You oh, know, and put, you got John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, we have conven- John Wayne. That's convenient. Yeah. You're and down then, in that OC. You got the John Wayne Airport. You don't have to deal with deal with us LAXers up here. The craziest travel story I ever had was on the way back one of the weekends. My wife came out uh, the third second weekend, and Amy was like, "Why are we going through DFW? That's so stupid. We're going." And I just thought, like, look, I just want to leave from Colorado Springs. I don't want to drive to Denver, which is an hour and a half. I just want to get on an airplane, have a cocktail, which they don't do now, and you know, get to DFW, then come home to John Wayne. So. It was one hour late leaving uh, Colorado Springs, uh-huh. and the plane, the storm's coming in, and the plane is moving so much just sitting there. Oh, no. And you, I took a video. You can see everybody's heads doing this. And, and just then, sitting on the runway? Just sitting on the Oof. runway. So then we finally take off. My wife's like, you're so dumb. Why did we do this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so as we're cruising, um, he's like, oh, we're going to have to go south. We're going to have to miss this storm real quick. And so That's a good sign. So we went south, landed at DFW. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Taxi up to our deal. We were sitting in the back. I remember sitting in row 20. Uh, everybody gets off the plane to row 17, and the, the, the plane's doing this again. The storm <laughs> caught us. So the storm catches us. We're going back and forth. And then they go, so, we're sorry. We're moving too much. We have to pull the jetway away. So we're sitting there for another hour. And we're no like, Oh, wait. Half the plane got off? Yeah. Oh. Half the plane gets off. And then so we're sitting there. Good had to sit there for getting a first-class seat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then uh, we ended up um, finally getting off. It's raining so hard. We're on the the taxiway, or not the taxiway. You know the little train that's mm-hmm. there, and they had to shut that fucking thing down. So we get off that because Denver Airport's in. No, like a, this is we're in oh, Dallas. Oh, sorry, Dallas. DFW Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah, oh, Dallas shit, Fort sorry. Worth. Why did so, I think you said Denver? No, DFW, we're we're in Denver. Dallas, and okay. the the train, the little tram train thing. It, you know, like I have another video of that. The rain is going up the front of this thing. You know, and I'm like I've never been in anything like this. And as soon as I said that, they're like, "Ding, you're getting off here." And to walk, we walked one from there to the next gate for the Orange County flight was 1.8 miles of walking. <laughs> so we finally get there, just smoking tired. And they're like, oh, your flight got canceled. Like, great. All right, so we go to the Admirals Club, you know, have a couple cocktails and finally chill out. And I walked up. Oh, no, my wife walked up. She goes, so when's the next flight? No, no, your flight's taken off now. But they went back to the other place. So they changed the gate. Oh it was the. I'm telling the story so horribly. It was so fucking mental. But I'm sorry, no, it was that's good. what you get for getting a layover in Dallas Fort Worth. I will never do that again. Yeah, yeah. And my uh, as opposed to what driving to Denver and then flying. So direct the whole. So after the race, we uh, I had some of my buddies come out to. We had we rented a house out there in Colorado. That's what made it nice. We rented this huge ass house and we just barbecued every night. You know, just hung out and just kind of like team. You know, yeah. and so uh, some of our wives came out. And some of our friends came out, and they just wanted to support. Even though they couldn't go up to the mountain, they're like, oh, we'll just mm-hmm. be here. Um, we ended up leaving, driving to Denver a few hours early, had a, hit a brewery up, had a beer, and then went to the airport. And my wife's just looking at me the whole time. She's like, see how yeah. easy this is? <laughs> yes. You idiot. <laughs> yes. So. I'll always take that extra two hours or two and a half hours in the car versus the 100%, layover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Lesson, yeah, yeah. lesson learned. How do you compare? Because you've, you know, you participated in like Sebring and Le Mans yeah. endurance racing and stuff like that. Like, how do you compare a, a sprint race, hill climb, but that lasts a fucking month? Yeah. To, you know, uh, a traditional endurance race. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, the I compare it in a manner that it's a lot more taxing on every every bit of the whole deal. Like um, we don't have garages that we 
keep the car in. You know, we're at, at the track, you're like, oh, it's six o'clock. They're kicking us out of the track. Put the car cover on it. Close the garage door. We're loading it in the trailer. We're taking it out. We're putting it in the shop. Then we're working on it. Then we're reloading it that same day in the trailer. So it's it's in and out of a trailer three or four times. That's a pain in the ass. Like you're up at two a.m. every morning. And there's got to be a business model in having a fucking. Like commercial a, warehouse at the bottom of that mountain. There you go. Race car storage. You're telling me the one month a year wouldn't fund the entire rest of the year oh, 100%. for that business? Espe- well, I'm saying because when we go up to the mountain, you can't leave the car there like during practice and all that yeah. stuff. Right, right. You but can't on the way back, so, so we, uh, Porsche of Colorado Springs, they they have a, a warehouse where they keep all their, their rain tires and their, their, their snow tires and everything. Like It's organized beautifully. And they're like, hey, you can have this shop. I'm like, oh, there's this shit. So we just turned some music on, and that was our, our little nice. sanctuary. So it was, it was pretty cool. But the amount of the amount of like work and time that it takes to just logistics is a nightmare. But it's fun. I don't know. I like it. You know, I... The question, but to spread it to 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 spread it over the month versus focusing it on that you know weekend or whatever. I would like it to be more condensed, but you know the first part of the month there was a it's an unofficial tire test, right? And then official testing is middle of the month, and then so that's that's three days, and then the race. The here's how the race week works. Monday is tech, so typically you get the car teched down down in town. Um, every year we just load the car up and go to a track and try to get more time in. So we went to Pueblo. Um, it was cool because it was like 196 degrees there and the wind blowing and, you know, it was awesome. Uh, and then, so Tuesday we test on the top of the mountain. So you get typically about four runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday, middle of the mountain. Thursday was the bottom of the mountain. That was qualifying. So they, you all, all the classes qualify at the bottom, but they're broken up throughout the, you know, I feel bad for some of the teams that show up there Tuesday and have to qualify that day at the bottom of the hill. Yikes. So, um, and then Friday is an optional day, which we ended up taking and learning a lot about the arrow up there. And then Saturday is a setup day where uh, they open the mountain at about one, and then you set your pits up. You get everything ready. And they kick you out by six p.m., and then Sunday is race day. So, wow. so you have six days solid, you know, from Monday till Sunday of go 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 every day. And then so you load the car back on the trailer when you leave. It's nine a.m. Get to the bottom of the hill. Uh, then you you unload it, go to breakfast, and then start working on the car. Whatever you need to do. So. What was your uh, what was your actual result? I'm sorry for not paying attention. Yeah, to these things, uh, we we DNF'd. Wah, wah. Yeah. Well, uh, how did you DNF? We um, uh, went in a little hot at a corner coming out of Glen Cove and clipped a rock with a rear wheel and busted the busted the wheel. Oh. Yeah. So. Bummer. DN crashed. Yeah. Yeah, but we didn't like slam into like a cra- wall. You didn't crash, crash, but lost a t- lost a tire. Yeah. yeah, and so contact was made. Contact uh, was made with an object uh, that was near the roadway. Yeah, but it sucks because we qualified first uh, in class and overall. It was a light year, so it wasn't any really big overall cars there. Um, and we were on pace. You know, we had yeah, no internationals, right? Right. It's all it's a domestic race this year. Yeah, and we we ended up um, doing really well in our sector times. So I think we held the fastest sector time. So we were on pace to. I mean, I I was already like in my head like. Is this going to be a Jack Daniels night or a champagne night? You know, mm. and it was a Jack Daniels night. Yeah. <laughs> that was devastating. But uh, that being said, it was still the best experience I've ever had there, even with the DNF. You That's know, good. Last year we got the record, and it still holds now. But you, like just how the team worked, and just it's like we had we caught our stride. We understood the logistics. We 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 systematically put a plan in place for every day what we're going to do, how what we're going to achieve, and if we didn't achieve that, what we're doing the next day. So more proactive than reactive, extreme, like past years. And it felt so good to mm-hmm. like be in 
so to speak, in the driver's seat of the uh, this event rather than, like you said, being reactive. So that was awesome. And the team gelled really well. Um, I brought my cousin back out who him and I used to work on the Celine S7 team together with Greg Ford all back like 20 years ago. Did you hear uh, about that craziness with Celine? Oh. I, the I, with the Chinese trademarks and shit? Makes you think about any company that takes on a, a Chinese parent, right? It just you know, seems. Volvo and whatever. I mean, it really does seem like when you really break that down and you look at patterns, it seems that this is a short-term gain with a hope, with a long-term story fairy tale. Yeah. The fairy tale never comes. What comes is the nightmare. Yeah. And that's that's they repossess all they of just your, take your IP. IP and yeah. uh, they go, yeah, we're gonna build these over here. Yeah. Now. Cool. And come find me. Yeah. 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 By the way, right. uh, if you could pronounce the name of the fucking city I'm in, yeah. you know, come find <laughs> yeah. me. No, that's yeah. I, I don't mean to laugh about that, but that is that that's pretty pretty gnarly what happened there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a country known for uh, IP theft. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is like the pretty forefront of like <laughs> we for for years have been talking about the fake BMW X5, right. fake BMW. Like now you could just buy the IP of the real shit and then just like not pay anyone for it. Right, mafia it out like hundred percent right. mafia. That's yeah, like, and the guy's probably like come at me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck are you gonna do? Right. Sad. I met a couple of nice people who were working for Celine. I know. That S1 thing was kind of fun to drive, even. Oh, you got to drive one? I did drive did one. Did you fit in it? Yeah. Obviously, you because you drove one. But Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, ish. Yeah. I mean, I drove the race car. It nice. was not a... Uh, not a street car. And now it was that, a race car. That was the GT, like a GT4 race car, like a Pretty spec much. series, right? Yeah. That it was a spec series, but they claimed when I drove it that they actually had to... Now, claimed... That they had to take 50 horsepower out of it for GT4 racing. And they had another one there that was a GT4 spec mm. that had a different wing and less horsepower. But they were like, but actually the spec car is faster, so you probably just want to drive that. And right. so I was like, okay. Um, yeah, it was cool. Nice. I mean, it was a, a modified Focus RS motor with, like, I don't know if it was X-Track or Hollinger or Hewland, but mm. it was a sequential gearbox. And... Quick steering and decent balance. It was cool. Nice. Yeah, neat little car. I was, I was excited to see that because it you know it's taking on that lightweight approach. Not, doesn't yeah. have to have a big V eight. Let's go. That no, was cool. Yeah, I like that. It was cool, but like honestly though, I'd probably prefer to drive either a Cayman GT four Club Sport, mm -hmm. or if you told me there was a a, a GT four version of like the Avora, mm -hmm. that would be the shit. Right. A GT four Avora would be. Crazy fun. Yeah, why are, why are we not seeing those? I don't know. I don't probably because Lotus doesn't have enough money to build. Yeah, them, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, but Lotus Avora GTs and GT and uh, and uh, Avora four mm hundreds -hmm. are the jam. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this thing, uh, this S one that that might have even been the one I drove. I don't remember the livery of the one. Yours I drove. is blue and was gold. My, oh, the blue gold, yeah. right? The other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in an edit, I confuse it with a blue R eight. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> it was by. both very blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. No, it was a nice little car actually. Uh, it was the. Based on or started from that French car that was called Fuck. I remember we looked up the designs. They were very, very similar. They were similar in between the axles. They were pretty similar to this French thing. It started with an A? Not a Scari. Not Alpina. Uh, no. Fuck me. That's going to come. You know what? It's going to come as soon as you unspeed the show. That's what I'm I could see it. the Alpina like saying that, you know, a little bit. Like it's size and. It's got elements of Porsche. Mm -hmm. It's got elements of Lotus. 
It's got elements of Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the French car. Uh, no. That's I don't not going to work. No. No. I don't oh, know. Well. Sorry. Sorry. Moving on. All good. Uh, but your buddy, yeah, your buddy used to work there, uh, uh, who was up at the at uh, Pike Speak with you. Oh yeah, that's how we ended up there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's how we got there. Yeah, but anyway, you know, my cousin and then my my one of my best friends, he came out and it was just cool to get our team together. We saw Randy Pope's there and um, we worked together with him back in the day with Greg Fordall and it's like he he saw my cousin who's not in motorsport, he's an architect, but he was like, I'll come out and sling tires and have fun and. It was really cool. It was cool to, um, like, you know, just get the band back together, kind of. I think I'd like to do a story next year where I pick crew on your Pikes Peak team. Done. I can make food. Well, and I can like just like carry things. Well, let's do it because it would be fun. Uh, I'm gonna have two cars next year and possibly a third, so I'm Sweet. I'm gonna have to gear up. Yeah, I think I'd like to do. I'd like to go see that. It's I haven't. Great. I still haven't been. I want to go, but I want to go with like. I don't want to like just stand around and twiddle my thumbs. I'd yeah. like to have something to do. It's fun to be part of a team because I, I looked at it object like kind of like in a manner that all right if I was just spectating, you know, because when my wife came out last year she was like well, this is really cool but like what am I doing here yeah yeah all right so we were standing for eight hours but um you know being part of a team you have you have a list of things to do and then when you go into town you're picking things up get going out to dinner or barbecuing you know it's just yeah. kind of it's it's cool and then just trying to keep a team together in this in Colorado Springs is funky too so I bet yeah yeah I can make food that's what I'll do done I'm good at making food done I, can, I saw this guy up there fun. a lot yeah man I was up there every morning yeah. I guess yeah, yeah. it's kind of rad you like you get up at 3 which sucks but once you set your sleep schedule it's mm-hmm. no big deal and it's you watch the sunrise and then you're kind of done by 9 like with right. practice or I mean the event day is longer but with yeah. practice it goes really quick and everyone's really chill It's it's got a really relaxed vibe in the pit compared to big track things I've been to. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to touch hearing on. hearing similar stories to, like, Bonneville. Well, it was Bonneville, Baja, you know, like, um, I was just talking to the guys at Porsche Motorsport about it, and uh, Jim, he's been there, even back when I worked there, he's been there for a while, and he said, um, he's like, it's just how it used to be. And, you know, you could show up, like, we could show up with a weapon <laughs> of a car and a good driver with a U-Haul trailer and working out of a box van and still haul ass, have fun, compete yeah. against some top-level people, or it's not this big, huge dog and pony show where I need the 53-foot hauler with the awning and the food and the, the you know, it, it's shit, still, yeah. like, it feels There's grass- not even, like, room for that. Right. But I mean, it, some of the fastest people out there, like, that have been doing it for generations, they have that box truck that they've cut up and turned into, like, a hauler, yeah. but it's on a budget, and their their car is tube frame, but twin-turbo LS or twin-turbo, you know, Echo Tech or whatever, right, right. and they're really crazy- but it, it definitely has more of it's like grassroots is parked next to private jet right and everyone's being really friendly which everybody's is super cool yeah yeah and that's um it, it is it is pretty cool Do when you you're think ra- some- when you're racing against the clock and not racing against or radar <laughs> and is not door to door you don't have mm-hmm. that same kind of aggression yeah you you don't but you still have the pressure because you know you're not door to door you know we're not racing in the pit so we're not focused on quick pit stops and strategy that way with the, you you get all that work done like literally the green flag goes you're like oh my work's done you yeah. know it's like we push the cars here we're out and um you still have the camaraderie with the teams but you're still competing because we're after the same trophy in essence so uh you know it was cool like the speaking of triple zero they had a two rs club sport out there yeah it wasn't um 
David was, Donner was driving it. David Donner was driving yeah. that, and then Zort was driving the 935. Yeah, you know, so it was it was cool to compete with those cars to see where we stacked up with them. Um, with How the, were you compared to the 935? Uh, we were quicker, um, but look, but that was an out of the box car as well, right? They didn't modify that car. They uh, Joey went through and did suspension work on that thing, but that's uh-huh. it. You know, they and that car was pretty quick on the top, which was great to see. Jeff was hauling ass up there, but can you imagine? Let me just say something real quick. Can you imagine driving a one of seventy seven car that if you look at it wrong, something costs you ten grand just to even you know, and then and then it's a million and a half at the time, like the beginning of the week, and then somebody else said, "Yeah, oh, one just sold for one seven, and he's in this car." You think he's? I told I told him if he gets too close to us, I'm going to call in a one nine off, knock two or three seconds off his time. But that, I mean, just some that, people don't see don't that doesn't affect them. Chris Harris, it doesn't seem to affect at all. He yeah. told me told me he's able to look to look past it. And somebody just asked me that the other day. Like when you're driving a GT2 RS Club Sport on the track and you're just hanging it out there and, and throwing this thing around, how, how do you get past it? I kind of in a manner like, well, I don't think about it. But th- that's that's a street car that's that's replaceable. Jeff was driving an ir- yeah. almost an irreplaceable icon, you know, and all eyes on him. Poor, I there you couldn't not think about it, you know. I don't unless you're like. Sebastian you know, Loeb and he just, must have I get done, paid he to destroy. Have, he's been up that mountain so many times. I think, like, he probably, you know, well, I also don't know what, like, did, was he hired to drive that car? Did no, he, did no. He, That's his program he put together, you know. And, so, yeah. So and, he I mean, was, and while he's driving that car, he's also coaching uh, the club sport the, they got the GT4, a GT4 club yeah. sport class. So he's coaching all of them, making sure all that's going on. Then he has to, like, switch gears, put his helmet on, get in that thing, go rip. So, Yeah, a, I don't know. I think he's he's a pretty calm and chill guy. I feel like he probably can can just turn that off and go, it's a car. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, kinda, I talked to him <laughs> once while he was out there, and I was like, how's that thing drive? He's like, ah, it's like a street car. It's cool. Yeah. That was it. It was just, ah, it's like a street car. It's cool. Like, okay. Well, and that's so how probably he was, easy. Yeah, that's how he was talking. He said the car is quite easy to drive. It does the job well. You yeah. Know? And, um, you know, he had the fastest sector time on the top of the mountain, too. So he, you could tell he was getting comfortable with it, you yeah. know, and starting to, starting to trust the car because, I mean, think about it. You have on a test day, we're up in the top. And you're running two minute and thirty five second section times, mm-hmm. and you only get four of those in a day. So you got eight and a half minutes in your car, whatever it turns out to be, yeah. like for a day. Now you're like, in the meantime, we're making changes, we're checking tire pressure, you know, and you're like trying to get feedback from the driver. They're like, fuck, I don't even know which way is left and right. Yeah, you know, like, so it's not even like a warm up lap. It's yeah. like you fucking go. Yeah, yeah. So that's so crazy. Yeah. Man. So that, that's what th- those are the nuances I like about the this event is is there. There's just a lot of variables that are outside of your control. How much uh, how much quicker is the 935 than the Club Sport out of the box? Do we know? I'm not entirely sure. Oh. Yeah, same powertrain. Yeah, it's just got it's uh, different bodywork and wider front and rear wheels. Didn't they say it's like it's it's suited better for really high speed track yeah. stuff because yeah, of the sure. aero? But yeah. on yeah. on this, it matters less. Right. I think I bet the bigger the track, the more difference it makes. I bet. Yeah, yeah lime rockets probably to... not much. Right. <laughs> right. I can imagine you're yeah. right. Yeah. Joey was very excited every day of testing. He he just looked at me with big eyes. He's like, it's getting faster. Mm-hmm. He's, like, well, he's like, now I can start doing some stuff. And I was like, what are you? What else are you there to do? He's like, so much. <laughs> so <laughs> he's just like, yeah. run back to the you know to the truck and yeah. same as you. Yeah, the whole time you you are tweaking and you're you, and but you have to have a systematic plan in place because you don't have time. You yeah. just you know, it's like depending on the, the driver says yes, no, then what? 
and that has to be planned out before he comes back down. You know, so um, it's yeah. How often do they come back and go? Oh, that's worse. That's worse. Don't don't go that way. Well, that's where you want to do. You want to get to a point where you've made an adjustment. Finally, we were at the end of the qualifying when we sent him. We were we tweaked. I mean, we were down to like two clicks on the dampers. Oh, wrong way. Go back. You know, and then we review the data, and then we listen to what David said. David was awesome to work with from a feedback standpoint, like a Swiss watch. That mm-hmm. guy, like, if he said something, he'd he'd pause. He goes, "When I was leaving the corner out of engineers, I got on the throttle, and I wish I could have got on a half a second earlier." And you're like, "Oh yeah, last lap you did three quarters of a second earlier on throttle." But it's just like he knows every wow. corner and every input yeah, he makes. Crazy. And it, it was unbelievable. And wow. so it took me a minute to actually learn his language with Jeremy uh, and then get those. It was cool to watch those two communicate well and build this thing up. It was fun. Wow. That's super sick. Yeah. Zach, I saw a bunch of uh, questions come in from the people. Yeah. Anything worth reviewing over there? <clears throat> Before we. Yeah, the couple. Couple in there. Couple. Um, uh, uh, gear, gear Bahal. Since the new Cayman GT4 uh, slash Boxer Spider 4 liter is a punched out 3.0 TT without the turbos, how bad of an idea would putting the turbos back on be, Batim? Well, I mean, it sounds fun, but you would, you'd have to go back inside the engine and do all the things that Porsche did to make that 4 liter work well, normally aspirated, and revert back. So you'd... <laughs> Make the internals heavier and fortified so they can take the boost, lower the compression, you know, things but like that. But could you run that displacement with the turbos effectively? Yeah. Or have you thinned out the cylinder? No, no, you can. We, is, I mean, is it a stroker crank? Uh, stroke and bore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's, it can be done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we're, you're, but we're, you're still building the internals. Yeah, we're building a twin-turbo GT3 RS engine right now from a 2019 car. So, But that's a different 4-liter. It's a different 4-liter. Yeah. But the... The general architecture of all Porsche's new engines mm-hmm. on the, the like the 992, all you know, with the GT4, like what what the gentleman was talking about, they're all based on the same layout. Right. So it's very modular. Uh, you, you can go back and forth, and you can do some part swapping. But a lot of the times, the blocks are machined specifically for that application. Oh, okay. Cool. And sometimes we'll put a different oil pump in, or you know. All right, Zach. What else you got? Um, can Tim give us a rundown on the Street Legal GT3R they're building for 997 Turbo Cab? Yeah, that that's the car I was just talking about. Um, that's an insane project that that's blossomed into something that's uh, a technical and engineering nightmare. Because <laughs> meaning like it's every little thing has to be thought about. You know, you're you're boosting a car that for for what we're working on right now, you're putting boost to a car that n- didn't have boost before. So now, how do you maintain vacuum brakes without the you know, with, without because typically you're either pulling vacuum from the uh, because the turbo cars have a mechanical vacuum pump. Oh, so I don't and, know and the NA cars don't. So we oh. have we had to address that. I oh. mean, just every little thing you yeah. can think of. It's like I mean, this building; it's full of a thousand things that you don't think about when you look. Oh, oh yeah, this looks cool. This is a great idea. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my poor my Joe, he's he's the customer. He pushes us pretty hard. From uh, you know, he's like, I want this, this, and this, and he does. He's not a type of guy who likes compromise. So. Everything has to be thought out, yeah. and as you, as the project evolves, it just keeps getting bigger, you know. And so that's 
But it's a cool car. It's going to be bananas. And actually, that's what I want to enter into the uh, into sort the of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's a privately owned car. And it's, you know. It's his car. Yeah. 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 We're trying not to have too many, like, obvious shop cars. But but at the same it time, is his car. Rob, at the same time, Rob texted me today and he's like, I don't know if this home built thing is a good idea. Two of my top eight have already told me they were broken. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And that, yeah, that's why I don't like fucking home-built cars, including my own. They don't work. <laughs> well, that leads to, uh, someone said, uh, but Tim, outside of Matt's Mustang, what was the most misguided thing you've been asked to build for a customer? And have you ever had to stop a build? That Ultima? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that Ultima turned out rad. But it was also the same thing where it started like, ah, that it had a fuel pressure gauge that looked a little too close to the... The fan belt. I'm like, if that fan belt comes off, it's taking that fuel pressure gauge out and spraying the engine with gas. Fuel. So then we ended up literally rebuilding the whole thing, <laughs> which turned out awesome. That car is a lot of fun to drive. Yeah, but that a car it took up space in your shop for like a year plus, and the mental bandwidth. Yeah, and it's it's not our wheelhouse. You know, that's one thing that I've really been trying to bring us all back in and just narrow that focus again. So no more Fox bodies. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. no more Fox bodies. Um, what's your opinion on the 996 GT3? He's asking because it's the cheapest way to get into a 911 GT car, but the 996 is the least beloved of them all. I love that car. The 996 GT3 is a cool car, uh, in my opinion. Um, nobody likes the look of it, but you know you could still have a 450 horsepower GT car, and I mean if you you just throw some good dampers at it and and enjoy it, that's a that's a pretty cool car to drive around. They're cool. I'm not that into them, but they're cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. There you go. Uh, do you think the current 911s will be as desirable in 20 years as 911s from the past are today, or will the outdated tech or the technology advancement make them outdated? It's a good question. I think I don't think they will be. I mean, I think they're still going to be cool because you look at 997, especially the GT cars, but there's so many models now. Like back in the 70s, you had an ST and an E, and then you had an R, right? Like there was not. There have, wasn't a GTS and a 4S and a cab yeah, and, and a, a launch tar- edition. Yeah, yeah. Seven, you know, there are so many now. Um, and I remember, like, if you look at, like, a 964 Turbo S, which is a 965 Turbo S, it had thin glass. It had uh, really lightweight. Every, you know, it's like you, you, they touched all of the car, where now the Turbo S is, like, put more leather in it and, uh, and, and bump the power up with the ECU. There's a few, like the Carrera T. I like it actually car. has the light glass yeah. and stuff like that. And that's an underrated car. They didn't sell a lot of them. Those could be, but but the more a car has in, is involved with technology, the more it can become outdated, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a hurry. Yeah. yeah it's going to be tough. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. And that's think, not a 911 thing. I think that's true across the board. Yeah. I mean, well, there's the, just more parts in the car. So, like, yeah. the more things that break and then think 20 years from now, it's like, oh, you need part whatever. There's only a thousand of them in the world. Things that rely on, like, screens. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, you yeah. got to yeah. do shit sensors. through a touch screen. Like, I don't know if, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. That's a good question. I think, I, I don't think they'll be as desirable. Like, I'm pretty happy that my old cars don't have, like, old LCD screens. Like, or old, like, uh, like, like not even, like, old fucking tube screens or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, and, know, uh, whatever. Maybe CRT it's, screens. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. of the tech now. I mean, all the cars are so quick anyways, and, and the nuances are kind of engineered out of them. Like, now the appeal is some of the tech, right? And how 
So I have a, I have a, a shop car, a 992 Carrera S, and that thing, it, it drives awesome. But yeah. it's but it's it's not like when you're on track, it just does what you want. It's not that, you, but it doesn't make you giggle, and it doesn't make you go ah. But your 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 lap timing wild, like a like a GT3 lap yeah. time in this thing. I had my kid's baby seat in the back of it, and it was just like, I was like, I I see what they were doing, you know, but the appeal to the next one would be yeah, sure, there's gonna be all out speed, but then. When the 995 or whatever comes out next, it's not going to be like a advancement in driving enjoyment. It's going to be an advancement in tech. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you're right. So it probably is on its way to outdating itself. That's why my interest in cars that I want to buy yeah. pretty much stops around like 2010. Right. Like yeah. newer than that, I'm not really interested in owning any of it. Right. You know, no, it makes like, sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't need. I don't actually want the tech. Right. I want it to be simpler, yeah. and I want to like feel a little more mechanical. Because you're driving. You're, you're you're buying the experience of yeah. driving that. Yeah, car. and I don't give a shit how fast it goes. Right. I I've stopped caring. Right. I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at a car right now to buy that's like barely 300 horsepower. Right. And I'm like totally fine with that. Yeah. And actually, I I having driven this GTI for a week. I've kind of like, remember when Jeremy Clarkson got his second divorce and lost all his money and had to sell his Range Rovers and shit, yeah. and he got, he bought a GTI, and then he wrote a column about how actually a GTI is all the car you would ever need, right. and anything else is just excessive. It was very funny. And then he sold the Grand Tour and bought 19 more Range Rovers right. and, <laughs> and an island somewhere. Right. But I, I was driving, because as soon as I got in it, they dropped it off, I sat in it, and I went, oh. Oh, hang on a minute. And I set my seat and my wheel, and I went, oh. And it's exactly like when you get in a 911, you go, oh, this is just, this is set up yep. correctly. Right. You, you, know? you, you feel, you don't feel out of place. No. Yeah. And you go, okay, and this is a hatchback, but it's, you know, when the, the shocks are in comfort, you go, oh, it's got kind of like a luxury car ride a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, you know, the engine's not that, whatever, but it's, you go, this is actually quite a bit more luxurious than I think. Than I really expected right, for this right. much, you know. Whereas, if you spend that much on like a like a ten year old, you know, like an M three or something like that, it's you you get more mechanical feel out of it, mm-hmm. and like the leather might be richer, but it's not. It's not everything isn't a luxury car, right? You know? Right. Yeah. No, I, so, I I agree. That's a good good way to look at it. I don't know if that made any sense. It makes sense. It I might not. Have. I followed. It's been you. a very long day. <laughs> Might not have. We have two more questions. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then, I'm going to call it after this. Yeah. I was up at fucking five, and I inhaled a lot of smoke this morning filming up in the fucking mountains. No, not not after the mountains. <laughs> 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 I talked with the whistle pig guys today about, because we're trying to get a whistle pig to give us a, basically a permanent whistle pig sculpture oh right gosh. here that we could drink from. It's like a would, tap? And they were, yeah, pretty much. And they were kind of like, what if? <laughs> what if after you reviewed a car, you you parked it and you put the keys down and you had a nice apres? And I was like, I don't know about Apre that. cruise, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe in the studio. You have a, a Camelback with just like a, yeah, a tube that be, runs. We to can't each be drinking bourbon in the car review. That's, video. No. Yeah, that's the that's bad a, part about like uh, that's cars. You, that's you, where you draw the yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The what? It's well, it's weird because there's so much crossover with booze and racing and Massive. the sponsorships and all, and there is a ton of. Crossover and yet, but don't you go doing it? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, very no, true. But we're gonna, we're gonna do something where there's gonna be a nice boss hog 
thing here where there's like a hundred gallons of bourbon in the office. (laughs) Why is Batim back here again? Yeah. (laughs) He lives here now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think brand loyalty has any value beyond Ferrari level access to special cars? Yes. Definitely. Really? Definitely. I thought we always shit on brand loyalty because brand loyalty is like that doesn't mean I, I I like it or endorse it, but does it have value? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know how many people I meet? They're like, I'm a Ford guy. Why? My daddy was a Ford guy. Oh, it has value to the car company. That's what I, well, oh, that's yeah, what I meant. I what, mean, what, is, what do they mean by that? Meaning like, do I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they mean. I, I took it as uh, does it have any value to the consumer? Because some people are like, oh. I'm only into this, and like that's stupid because every company makes good cars and bad cars. Right. But but if it's oh, for no, the company, in my opinion, you're, you're, I right. think it's dumb because every company makes good cars and bad cars, and because they don't typically give you any kind of a discount if you trade in one of their models versus you know what I mean. Right. So I think he's saying if you're a Ferrari person and you buy a lot of them, then eventually they'll give you access to that special list see, where you can buy you know the, the rare yeah, thing. Yeah, there, there is that. I mean, you have to be ridiculously rich and go after you know, mm-hmm. and you have to get somebody's attention by over buying a lot of cars. Yeah. But I don't know. I. Th- it happens uh, at other dealers too. I mean, a, a Audi dealer, yeah. or a Ford dealer, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you buy a bunch of cars from them, they're going to call you when that Shelby comes in right. or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When that it, Prius C limited edition shows dang. up. No, dude, the launch edition Supra, and you better get it because it's going to be an investment for sure. <laughs> I know someone that was offered one of those, and they turned it down, and we're very glad they did. Yeah, as as you should have. <laughs> Rob Ferretti got one of the new Supras to put in the rental fleet at Gotham. Right. Promoted it. People were hitting him up. How much? How much? How much? He said he got like 100 calls about it. It was I think it was 329 or 349 a day. Not much in the rental car scheme. Right. And this was in the first month it was out. Uh-huh. He said in the first month it had zero bookings. Really? <laughs> He's like, I'm fucking sold. Yeah, people yeah, people un- calling, one, they have 75. Five bucks, I think. That's <laughs> yeah. what they're looking yeah. for. And yeah. that, that, um, no, the four cylinder one, they'll end up in Enterprise Dream Fleets mm-hmm. or whatever for 65 or 70 bucks a day. Right. And actually, at that price, you know, not so bad. Yeah, not yeah. so bad. Have you, are you guys going to, I know you said before that you're going to, you're trying to keep the core, but are, is there expansion beyond Porsche at all or? Is that we're, product? They're expanding Porsche enough for yeah, you. I mean, they're, they're making it hard to keep up. But you know, I um, we, we've we've been messing with McLarens a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I, I back that brand loyalty thing. I, I I dig Porsche. You know, and that's are you gonna fuck with a Taycan? Yes, I can't wait. See, that seems like that would be the next thing for you is yeah. to fuck with a Taycan. Yeah, and you know, like, Taycan Turbo S. With no interior would be a fun Pikes Peak yeah. build. We try to get something put together with Porsche for this year. Uh, COVID happened and and derailed a lot of a lot of talks, but I, I want to keep pushing on that side. I just think e-mobility is undeniable. I mean, it's going to have to. It's just the direction that things are being pushed, and I know we had that conversation earlier, which is very true about you know, show me first, you know, and you know. With, well, yeah, but. You're, you're getting some heavy hitters putting a lot of energy into it. and I don't think it's going to be as ubiquitous as everyone thinks. Okay. I think there's a good place for electric cars. I enjoy electric cars. I like driving them. Right. But as someone who just built a fucking building here in this city and had to deal with utilities and stuff like that, yo, the infrastructure for this is going to be decades yeah. before you've got mass adoption of EVs. There just isn't enough 
flow of like they wouldn't let me put more than my two chargers here. I wanted to put a bunch of chargers here. They wouldn't let me just because of the amp draw. Yeah, the, yeah. Four hundred amps. This whole fucking building. I get four hundred amps. That's all you have here. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to <laughs> turn had, the lights off. We had it. some restrictions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that you, they, you, they probably wanted massive amounts of money. To dig up a street to pull another line in, right? I dug up the street. You did? Oh, I had to put a brand new, I put 200 feet of new street behind us, and Jeez. I put 125 feet of new sidewalk in front of us. I don't think anybody understands the <laughs> scale of this place. I, no one thought about that. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, you're going to build a cool building. You're going to spend some... every ounce of money you ever had, but we're going to need a new sidewalk out front. That's Pub on you, by the way, big guy. Public works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but it's okay, because now I have a, did you see the, how nice the driveway was yeah. when you came in? Beautiful. Club sport, dude. No nose lift, no just problem. Just right, right in. in. Right in. No, I like that. We should do the demo video with that. Just uh, drive the Pikes Peak car with that Gunther Works big lift. Splitter, yeah. We'll drive that right down the ramp. Let's do mm -hmm. it. It'd be fun. Does that car have a nose lift on it? No. It should. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'll drive that car down the ramp, though. Right. Can that, is that, that car, you, you just start it and drive it's, it, right? It's, it literally feels, when you start it up. It's like a street car, yeah, right? Because the uh, first time I got in it, I started up, and, you know, like our Pikes Peak car from last year, it starts up and it's like, <laughs> turbos are mad and everything like that. You're like trying to clutch off this thing. You just start up, goes, yeah, AC, yeah, it's got AC, right? And you just cruise, yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's PDK, yeah, that's fucking great. So easy, you can't put a plate on that, right? No, okay, because that would be pimp, technically. But what you got to do is you got to buy the GT2 RS mm -hmm. and then you just. Just a little swappy. It's swap. weird that the gauges, the wheel, and the shifter all are just like right off of the shelf. You know, yeah, it's Porsche hilarious. Too, and then you turn your head, and it's just like cage, cage, cage. <laughs> yeah. You know, carbon, body in white yeah. carbon. Yeah, it's cool. But they even wrapped the dash in Alcantara. That's like, sweet. Yeah, they just want it's it's, it's a gentleman's car. That's what I gentlewoman, gentleman, gentle person's car. Well, that's what club sport really implies. It, it really is. It's like yeah. it's let's go. We're not going to go race this. No, it's a at track Le Mans. day. No, we're gonna we're gonna drive it around thermal by ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just smoke my friends in it. Yeah. yeah. But like I drove uh, when I drove CJ's uh, GT4 club sport, mm -hmm. it had dual zone climate control in right. it. Right. And he was like, yeah, they just pulled the cars off the line and whatever. Cage them and they're like, oh, that heater control system works fine. Yeah. Just, you know, got the wires a little. Yeah, bit. it was cool, man. Yeah, no, it was um, pretty cool. That's awesome. So are you going to send your one of these cars to live up here? Yeah. Which one? Um, the last year's car? Last year's car, yeah. Okay. I'm having the dampers rebuilt again, okay. and then we're going to get that So we'll get ready. that on display Yeah. in the main room, and the cathedral room will have last year's Pikes, uh, BBI Pikes Peak car, which is the actual record-holding car. Right. Not the fucking DNF car. Not, I don't want that DNF car. No, you car don't want that DNF here. car in here. That shit stinks. Yeah. <laughs> we got some unfinished business with that uh, one. <laughs> no. Yeah, I want the record car. That'll, yeah. that'll do. We'll get yeah. that on the racks. That'll look cool as fuck. Oh, yeah. uh, go to bbiautosport.com. For all the things, right? Yeah. For anything you want to know about the things they sell yeah, and, and do. Yeah, we, we did our, we started our blog up too, if you look down the lower left hand corner. Yeah. Yeah, so. Who's writing that? Uh, Dimitri. Oh, yeah. So we, we've been messing around with, uh, with Are those that. TEs? Yeah. Oh, wow. T37s really do look good on everything. They do. How about that? Yeah. I saw him on a Model 3. Oh, I, pretty I, cool. I, I was going to say, that's probably pretty right cool. at home. Yeah. yeah, I was good. I was impressed. Oh, wow. Look at that. You got a cage in the back of this leather fucking 18-way power. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's totally congruous. Good. <laughs> You're like, perfect. <laughs> hey, you have to have I a... can't wait for you to uninstall this and sell it as like a dealer demo. <laughs> <laughs> Executive owned. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, we have, um, you know, there's always, we're, we've been trying to update it more and more lately, but... You uh, got a tune for the 992S yet? Yeah. What's that thing making on just the software? Uh, it's almost 600 wheel. Fuck out of here. Yeah, well... On hundred octane on, oh, pump, on yeah, pump, no, on pump, it's pump like kit. 550 wheel at the wheels. Yes, it's it's oh, is it it's crazy? rowdy. It's rowdy. Is it awesome? Yeah. Is it better than a turbo? E, well, the turbo can be modified he- quite heavily from there, but it's got to be more exciting than an out of the box turbo, though. I think so. Mitch from M Engineering uh, is who does our like heavy heavy lifting back end engineering. The, his, his company does tuning like. Nobody else. I mean, they're the ones who are doing, um, you know, like map changing on the steering column, all uh-huh. that stuff. So it's pretty cool. Is that um, the Mitch I know who's been around forever? I don't know. I don't know uh, if you've sorry, met him. Never mind. But anyways, sorry, yeah. So uh, he, that is actually his white 992 that we did all the suspension to it. And he took it to Laguna Seca and just like mopped up on GT3s with it. Oh, that's and, awesome. And so um, he tuned a 992 turbo in Russia, you know, like just over the... Like over email. Email, yeah. Yeah. And he said the car, I think, made, I think they put 100 octane in it, it made like 671 at the ground (laughs) with a tune, (laughs) stock exhaust. That's pretty awesome. And I saw some V-Box data that showed that car going 0 to 60 in 2.1 seconds. Jesus Christ. So I'm I'm just like, these cars are just getting so, so, so fast. It's so crazy. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, what the the 992... It's such a leap from the 991. I, I can't wait to see what the GT cars are like. It's today the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I can say it over live. The, I drove the Panamera, the new Panamera Turbo S. Oh, nice. Which I have a video of. Uh, it's coming out next week. It, it's For the most part, it's what you expect, right? right. But it's not hybrid. It's the gas now. So okay. it's 620 horsepower, I think, or Jeez. 650 horsepower. It's got that four-liter... Yeah, but yeah. it's got it's the it's the it, the Urus engine is now mm-hmm. back in the Panamera. Got it. And it did the Nordschleife in seven twenty eight, which is what a nine nine one GT three RS did it in, <laughs> and what the nine nine two Carrera S does it in. The Panamera, crazy? the fucking Panamera, forty seven hundred pounds, it, kids, mobbing. That's and I, awesome. And dude, having I spent the day with this thing. It fucking it gets up. I, they they nailed the suspension on. They figured they? it out. Yeah. The the little changes, the the and and just the little stuff they did. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It's so fucking good. It dances. Nice. Rear steer programmed very nicely. Just yeah, and like the car, like the body stays flat. The wheels are doing what they're doing. The contact patch is maintained. Yeah, it's like the best. I can't believe it's lapping that quick in that thing. Seven twenty-eight in a Panamera, <laughs> <laughs> bananas. What? Oh man, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the swag. I like the shirt. Uh, absolutely, it's a good shirt. Can yeah. they buy buy that on your website? Yeah, it's on the website. Um, and I gave you a couple uh, support your local speed shop hats from oh, yeah. BBI. We'll have those up on the site soon too. Yeah, we're trying to get. We got yesterday on the show is about supporting restaurants. Today it's about support your speed shops. Yeah. Never been a better time than to have a Porsche engine built than right now. Because <laughs> you need that. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. We're going to be talking about air-cooled later in the week with uh, Marco uh, from TLG. Yeah, nice. Uh, The homie, he's going to come in for some cigars and sketchy sketch. Nice. Talking about watches maybe, too. Do we have another show this week between today and Friday? Mm. I don't think so. Oh, Lynn Woodward's on Sunday. Lynn Woodward Lynn, and uh, Emmy Hall? Yep. Or just Lynn? Both. Lynn and Emmy Hall are on Sunday. Yeah, we're stacking them up. We're stacking them up. Nice. Thanks nice. for coming yeah, in, dude. I really for appreciate it. Nice, uh, no, nice to see you in the new spot. Yeah. Uh, and nice. I, I got to come uh, put me down for chef for Pike's Peak Done. next year. Then don't don't mess around because it's No, you know happen. what I'm going to do is I'm going to fucking call Guy Fieri and I'm going to get one of his trailer smokers and yep. I'll go up to Santa Rosa. I'll grab that shit. And we'll bring it, and we'll fucking do it up properly. I just need the Done. appropriate vehicle. Can we tow with something? What do you have that I can tow with? I oh, you might not want to take it. I have a one of those Turag V10 twin turbo diesels. Oh, it probably smells like farts. It's old. <laughs> yeah, it's old. Press it smells a lot. Press like, yeah, we'll press figure truck. something. Press truck. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely our show. Thank right. you for joining us. Whether you're on the live audience or later, I hope our quality is up to par in the new studio. We love having you all here with us. That's it. The Smoking Tire Podcast is powered by Shout Engine. Get your own damn podcast at shoutengine.com. It's easy. All you need is a microphone, a connection to the internet, ideally something to say, and more than one glass of water. I should have had more water for this show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bye, everybody. See ya.